if you spend your life or spend your career thinking about what you don't have, I think a lot of times you forget about what you do have and how, how you can really adjust and make it happen. This industry changes so much. It evolves all the time. And, and I believe whatever you do here, if, if you stay still and you, you're doing the same thing that you are doing last year or the year before that, you, you're going to fall by the wayside. I think in general, we as a, as a social media sports community need to do less judging, less comparing, and more focusing on what really matters. And that's connecting with people, connecting with sports fans, and just, just, just being who we're going to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Just be who you are. Social on the Sidelines, presented by Front Office Sports. It is Shabazz Khan with Amara Baptist, as per usual. Our episodes are presented by who, Amara? You know the, you know the deal. Who are they presenting? Team Infographics. What do they do, Amara? They create fire social content, and you need to check them out because we are blown away with the social graphics that they are providing us. We look they awesome. We, uh, I, I mean questionable but just <laughs> no no we we don't look bad which is a testament to their work <laughs> for me at least i'm not gonna judge you for me i look better than i do in real life which is a testament to their work so thank you team infographics where can the people follow them or find them at tomorrow check them out on twitter at team infographs or you can email them at team infographics.com or you could just go to their website or they yeah you can right. do that <laughs> if you if you're a weirdo, you can email him, I guess, but <laughs> sure. Uh, so actually with this episode, guys, Julian Valentin, is that how you say his name? Valentin, so. yes. From the Colorado Rockies joined us today, and th that's actually the first MLB team. We've it is. Folksman we've had on, and y'all, we always say this, but, but what was it, Amara? Yeah, he was, he gave... Really, really, really good advice. I was like, like learning a lot. Everybody that we've had on has done a tremendous job. When I tell you Julian gave answers that I am going to use in motivational posters and work life inspiring quotes that I need, I am not kidding. Like, listen to this dude's story. Listen to what he has to say about the industry. We're just going to head into it. So without hearing us bicker any longer welcome to social on the sidelines the worst podcast experience you will ever endure in your life <laughs> no this is great thanks for having me i've listened to all of them and it's excellent this is a it's a really cool really? thing you guys do and i have yeah it was kind of like cramming for a test but uh but i did and i enjoyed them all <laughs> wow you binge listened that's awesome <laughs> exactly how did you bear my voice but mostly amara's <laughs> To be fair, it was in the background, and I have a long commute, so it's not like it was undivided attention. But you know, you know, wow. like I said, you gotta you gotta know what you're going into. You gotta be prepared always. Wow, I, I gotta give it to you. I I wouldn't have listened to her on my commute home. It would just be, <laughs> if I was right, sitting in right. traffic. If I was sitting in traffic and had to listen to us, I would just crash my car. Probably yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on. <laughs> no, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We're we're really excited about it. Um, Amara and I said that we were going to talk to some really cool folks at the Twitter Sports Summit, uh, which we did. I met you briefly, and obviously we spoke about this. And uh, 
um, digging into a little bit more of, of what you're doing. We're really excited to have you on and just dive into the strategy voice and kind of your journey. So as per usual, as uh, we usually start this thing off, tell us about what you do. Tell the folks at home how you got there and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. This is, uh, this is my eighth season with the Colorado Rockies. I started in 2011. And prior to doing this, I actually played professional soccer and did that for three years. I was a soccer player my whole life growing up. And um, yeah, so I, I was still playing at the time. It was 2000, uh, 2010 in the off season. And what do people do in the off season when they're athletes? They, they sit around, they watch TV, they walk their dog, uh, a whole lot of nothing, quite frankly. And um, I had just been married and my wife is way smarter than I am. She is a physical therapist and just finished three and a half, four years of doctorate school. And in that off season time was wondering, what are you doing with your days? I'm working my butt off. I just got my degree and you're just sitting here watching Lost all day. Why don't you just like go look for jobs or something? So uh, just to just to keep my brand new marriage in good standing, I did. And I saw a job posting with the Colorado Rockies. One day in 2010, I put together a resume that I didn't have, put together some writing samples that I did have, and sent it in, forgot about it, interviewed a few times, and uh, I guess as they say, the rest is history. So definitely not a conventional path to getting here. I know that my, my path to, to the in, into this industry is atypical, and I always try to keep that in mind, but uh, it worked for me, and I like to think it paid off okay. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's really cool that's from awesome. professional sports to working behind professional sports. This is social on the sidelines on a new level. We out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about like your role and title, um, you know, kind of what it entails. What's your actual title and then how have you kind of progressed over the eight years? I'm assuming it might be a bad assumption, but I'm assuming you've kind of moved into different roles throughout the years. Sure. Yeah. So when I was initially hired, the job was more of a more of a journal, more of like an internal journalist position in our publications department. And I still do some of that. Uh, but I tell people that I have essentially four parts of my job that that each could and maybe should be its own job, but it all comes together very nicely. Uh, so when I was hired, it was it was primarily publications, which we still do. Uh, and the interactive marketing, as we called it at that time, was was just kind of stuck on the end of the job title. and. For me, that was always the most exciting part in in making the decision to leave playing to to take to take the jump, uh, because I always felt that there was so much potential in this industry. I, I felt that this was where people were going to get their information, and 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 it, it played out that way. But um, so my job these days is there's still a bit of the publications, and I do a lot of writing for our magazine. We do newsletters, uh, like I said, books, monthly magazines, everything. Publication wise, is is a part of what I do. And then, of course, the digital over the years has dominated my day-to-day, 24-7, 365, as you guys know. And then um, I'm also in charge of our player relations efforts. So anything organizationally that, that isn't related to charity or community appearances, that comes through me and my team. And then I also help and support our PR and communications group with everything they need. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. All those things have been collected over the years, and it's uh, it's great because no two days are the same. You never know what's going to happen, and and it's uh, it's a nice diverse diverse workload that that I really enjoy. That's a good way of putting. Wow, it. yeah, that is workload. that is a lot. <laughs> um, I guess my question is, how do you you know keep 
digital in particular fresh. The baseball season is so long and I'm in constant awe um, how social media managers and digital teams keep it interesting yeah. for fans when, you know, you have so many games. So what have you found over the years uh, has been your strategy? Yeah, it's I'm obsessed with being being interesting, really. People always ask me, like, what's your what's your digital strategy? And for us, of course, you're staying true to who you are as an organization and you're staying true to your established voice. But I just try to be interesting and entertaining because I think a lot of times we try to try to do a little bit too much. So I think as long as we're being entertaining and interesting for our core fan base, that's really what we try to be. So uh, with that, you know, I, I majored in English in college, so I'm very much an outside the box thinker. We have a fantastic team. Uh, we get ideas from everywhere. We get uh, we get all sorts of inspiration from all these different places. But yeah, I mean, baseball. Th this is my eighth year with the Rockies. Multiply that by 162 games. Uh, that's Ooh. a lot of baseball <laughs> games that I've covered. So uh, part of it is just trying to keep myself entertained and keep my team entertained. Uh, but I think a lot of that is 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 a positive thing because it it challenges you, like you said, to think outside the box, to avoid cliches, to try to think about new ways that you can present the exact same thing that we've seen thousands of times on social. So how do we do that? I don't know. We just kind of make it happen. And uh, like I said, we're, we're really, we have a great fan base. We have incredible buy-in from the top of our organization and we, we just kind of make it happen. Baseball is all about survival, quite frankly. And, and we just try to try to keep our head above water. That's awesome. First of all, I was freaking out because you said, 162 times eight. And I listened to everything you said, I promise, but I was also <laughs> trying to calculate how many games that was in my head. And yeah. I think that's like close to 1300 or There's like 1296. Yeah. yeah I, I've never done the math, you know, but it's not like I'm <laughs> 1296. I think I just did it. We, we work in this industry. We all suck at math. So let's not try to pretend that we're good at it. But no, I think of course, that, of course that's not me live tweeting every game, but in some form or fashion, I pretty much worked every game, save a handful um, but like I said, no, nobody in this industry can do it alone. We have a fantastic team that has grown each and every year. Uh, I'm extremely proud of, of the people who have, have grown up in our organization and really played a role in, in making what we do and, and, and growing it into what it's become. That's awesome. I love what you said about, you know, trying to be interesting and enter entertaining yourself. And one tweet that um, kind of went viral for you guys uh, when – the Sixers GM burner account fiasco was happening and you guys tweeted in, I just, I love it because it's like the nuances that you wouldn't notice, but it's like all lowercase. It says, keep up the great work at Rockies. You are the best Twitter account in the world and the best team in the MLB and everyone should try to be just like you, but there's like random spaces and it looks like it's definitely not. It looks like it's a burner. Uh, how did you come up with that idea? I love it. Yeah, you know, this this industry is interesting because it's incredibly, incredibly important to be organized and to have a structure in what you're going to say uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, every, everybody will tell you they have a content calendar and they have all these things planned, all the organizational requests are covered, sponsorship stuff. But, but honestly, the best stuff is really, it's all the gut feel. It's the pouncing on those types of moments and making it fit within the framework of who you are uh, as an account and as an organization. So Things like that work for us because the Colorado Rockies are the only baseball team in our time zone. Our ballpark is this quirky, strange place that gets no respect anywhere outside of our market. 
uh, our fans have a very much like an us versus the world mentality. So we've been able to really adapt that mentality and we've been able to play into that in many different ways. So things like that, you know, the burner, the burner tweet, it just fits what we do. It fits who we are. And, and it's not fake. That's, that's authentic to, to the voice that we've built. So that's the first thing is if you're going to dive in and do those types of moments, it can't be something that seems forced or unnatural. So that, that moment in particular, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody was talking about that, right? And it was just the perfect time uh, to, to inject a little bit of humor into a moment that, that, that fits. So the process there was kind of a crazy idea. And I sent to our the group process. Text. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, we have a group text that's always open. I said, Hey, what do you guys think of doing a burner account, uh, burner account tweet? And we all kind of bounced ideas back and forth about what it's saying, how to deliver it. And we just did it. So yeah, it wasn't one of those things that was, uh, it required a whole bunch of approvals. Uh, we have quite a bit of autonomy and as long as we don't breach that, I think we can continue to, to do things like that. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't anything planned of course, but it, it worked and people got it and, uh, it was fun. Yeah, I love doing that stuff. It, again, that that keeps me entertained. It keeps me in, interested, and and I think if I'm entertained in what we're doing, I think our fans and sports fans around the world will be as well. For sure, absolutely. That's that's really cool. I mean, of of course, the thing that we've tried to um, talk about the most on this podcast, and especially Amara and I, we we take the same mentality for the most part. I think most social managers, if you're not entertaining yourself and you're not taking part in conversations that are not only relevant to your sport and league, but thinking outside of the box, it's it's pretty difficult to to navigate the waters. So that being said, this is a common occurrence for you guys. That was just one of many <laughs> different things you guys have done on Twitter between changing your Twitter bios when you're rooting for a different team and tweeting as the uh tweeting Rocky quotes and running onto the field and this and that. Like <laughs> talk a little bit more about I, I know these are very much in the moment things. We we've all been there and you got to think of these things very quickly and put a plan in place, but rewind a little bit because I'm sure it wasn't always like that. When did the switch happen and how did it happen? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of times people will see the end goal and, and think that they can just dive right in. And uh, in this industry, there's, it's always been a copycat industry. And I think a lot of organizations now want to get to that point. They want to get to the, to doing the snark in the right way. They want to get to the comedy. Um, but it takes a while to get there, the, to get the buy-in internally. And, and it also takes the right people to execute it. Like I said, we have a fantastic team. Uh, we think differently, but we also think the same. And I think that uh, you'll never know which different person is on the account because we have the continuity and the constant communication. So rewind years and years and years ago. In 2011, the first question I was always asked was, what are our numbers and how many tickets have we sold? And of course, we know now in 2018, that's not generally the end goal here. I mean, of course, we're selling every day, we're selling tickets, we're selling an experience and we're selling our club, but hard sales just doesn't work. And for a market like us, uh, we're never going to have millions of followers like a big market team. And um, it's not about followers for us. It's about connecting with the core fans that we have and then sharing our, our brand and our club with as many people who are interested. And unfortunately, not as many are interested as we'd like. But uh, as the years went on, uh, we've been able to change the internal dialogue, the internal discussion from sales and numbers to uh, more about, you know, did people like it? Was the engagement good? How did that compare to the last time you did it? And that's from ownership all the way down. So now we're having very educated discussions 
about social, about what works, about what doesn't work from, like I said, our ownership, our COO, you know, my boss is our vice president. So we're able to have um, high level discussions and what I call high level are things that people, you and I uh, understand to be important in this industry. So um, it's for us, it's not about the bottom line on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's about growing that fan base. It's about uh, selling each and every day in a subtle way and, and just making that happen. But uh, another another rewind type of thing we used to do back in the day, I would do weekly reports for um, all of our organizational leadership about what we did, what we talked about, our reach, uh, how things went, how it compared. And for several years, it was pretty consistent that that would hit uh, our organizational leaders inbox each and every week. So that that sort of fizzled over the years because it wasn't necessary anymore. And we got the buy in and we got we were able to prove what we were doing and why it was successful and how it was successful. Uh, so now a lot of that stuff is autopilot. Just want to take a quick moment from this podcast to talk to you about the University of Miami's online graduate sport administration program. It's a top ranked graduate program with a highly respected reputation among employers. They're designed with your schedule in mind and they offer the flexibility needed for professionals looking to break into or advance in the sports industry. Am I right, Amara? You are right. And if you apply by July 16th, they will waive your application fee. Be sure to check the program out at miami.edu slash online. Um, so obviously, you know, you are a soccer player. Um, what, why did you decide to go into baseball? Like what, you know, was there, there was a reason or did you want to go into soccer? Or, you know, what was your uh, rationale? Yeah, it was, it, it was just a really great opportunity at the time. Uh, I was never a huge baseball fan. I mean, I grew up a Phillies fan from Pennsylvania. And I, and I love baseball now, but at the time, it was, I wasn't like a huge baseball fan outside of just being a casual observer. But, uh, you know, the interesting thing about baseball, like we talked about earlier, is that it is an every single day grind. I mean, you watch games, you cover games, you're around the team, you travel, all that stuff. It just becomes a part of your lifestyle. So you very quickly adapt to the baseball lifestyle, the baseball grind. But Working in this capacity in a, in baseball was nothing that I ever saw coming, no, nothing that I ever anticipated, and um, you know. But I love it. I love it, and it's it definitely has taken away some of my love for soccer. I, I will be honest about that. But soccer is <laughs> always my first love, and and uh, it'll always be a part of me. But there's enough love in my heart for for many different things, including two sports. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so following up on that, you know, you talked about we, we talked about keeping ideas fresh and constantly being innovative on social and that's one thing but then on the other hand because of how you know hard working you have to be on those things how can you kind of navigate the waters in terms of staying uh fresh just mentally just because it's such a long season like you said yeah I, i think the huge thing is just rotating staff um making sure that you if you cover five six seven games in a row you get a day off so that's huge for me is rotating our responsibilities. Like I keep saying, we have a great, great social staff of four people and we rotate the different things that we do. Um, so that way, when you get back on the account for Twitter, for example, where, where people are generally judged, you're fresh and you have all these ideas, things you've been sitting on for a couple of days and you're, rush, you're, you're ready to go. Um, so that's the biggest thing I try to do with our staff is just rotate it, making sure that you get nights off, you have that work-life balance. And especially for me, I mean, I'm married for, you know, eight years now with three kids. So uh, it's, it's, it's tough to balance, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So 
uh, you really have to make it a priority to, to make sure that you stay fresh mentally, to, to make sure that you have a life. And, and that's really, really important to me. And, and I would hope that, that everybody understands how important that is. So uh, following up a little bit more, um, obviously, probably when you got into this gig, you've learned quite a bit over the years in terms of different skill sets and whatnot, comparative to where you were at eight years ago. Talk a little bit about that, what you've learned along the way and what you recommend, uh, you know, folks try to learn ahead of time, uh, knowing what you know now. Sure. Yeah. The Rockies, we're generally pretty, pretty slim in terms of digital resources. And a lot of people I hear in this industry just complain about it. Like, I wish we had more people. I wish we had this. I wish we had that. And in some ways, I do covet the setup that a lot of college programs have and mm -hmm. the resources that they have, the staffing that they have and and all that but if you spend your life or spend your career thinking about what you don't have i think a lot of times you forget about what you do have and how how you can really adjust and make it happen so for me you know we 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 don't have a ton but we're able to to adjust what we do to fit what we have for example photoshop is self-taught you know we have video guys that we can rely on every once in a while um, but really what it's made us do is Focus on what I believe really matters, and that's creating a two-way conversation with fans, connecting with them on a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, like I said, really thinking outside the box and having those unique, creative pieces of content. But you're not going to see a ton of like beautiful, amazing graphics or anything from us or really most baseball teams because there's, it moves so fast and there's so many games. And for me, it's, in a lot of ways, it's just a waste of time to spend so much effort on one single thing when it moves so quickly. So... Uh, Again, I, I focus on the things that we do have and the things that are most important rather than what we don't have. And uh, in this industry, it's great because you just make it happen. You know, if you if you don't have a graphic designer, you learn it. You go, do a bunch of YouTube videos and figure it out. And, you know, if you don't have relationships built in with with players and, and staff, you have it, it's incumbent on you to, to create that, to find the opportunity to to make sure that you have strong relationships so that you can get the things you need and get the content that you need and really form those relationships. So uh, being proactive is just huge in this industry. And I think uh, our team has done a nice job of doing that. Yeah, spot on for sure. Um, kind of following up on, you know, your comment about fans, how you really want to be, you know, a part of that conversation in that community. Um, I definitely noticed that you guys are one of the few teams that really make it a priority to respond to, as it seems like, almost every person that comments, I think that's, there's a lot of value in that. So did you do that on your own? Or was there like a bigger conversation um, about that? Yeah, I think back to those reports I was talking about, that's something we, we, we ventured into years ago. And over time, we, we, we looked at the numbers very carefully. And we saw the engagement numbers on those one to one conversations and, and the strength of them. So uh, yeah, that was something that we back in the day, very carefully dipped our toe into. And now, like you said, it's, it's full bore. It's a, it's a fundamental staple of who we are. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you add us, regardless of what you're saying, as long as, as long as it's not totally ridiculous, you're going to get a response. And we're very aggressive in how we deal with trolls and how we steer the conversation to what we believe it should be. And, uh, that's an incredibly important part of it because I believe that if you if you sit back and you let the conversation spiral out of control into something that you're not uh, aware of and can't control, then then it just becomes a really dark place. So 
I'm, I'm just a positive person in general. I'm an optimistic person in general. Um, but when there's those moments that you have to stick up for your team, your players, your brand, uh, we'll do that. Absolutely. But that's not something that, that was, uh, that was done lightly. That was, that happened over time to being established now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember, um, when I'm going to butcher her last name, uh, Jenny Kavner. Yeah, Jenny Kavner. Yeah. Um, so when she was uh, one of the first women ever to call play-by-play on an MLB broadcast, um, I remember that I was watching that in real time, and you guys were just like killing the trolls, like with the comebacks and just standing up for her. And I just I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, that was a unique situation. Um, you know, that one caught me off guard to be totally honest with you because you expect to see some of that, but. The, the sheer volume of, of hatred and sexism and unnecessary trolling was, was really a sad thing to see that night. Um, but I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that uh, if, you, if you let that kind of stuff go, it, the conversation snowballs and becomes something that is really detrimental to your online community. So I found that if you, if you inject yourself in the right way, you can galvanize the good people to fight back against those, um, those types of people, the fake accounts. Um, the trolls who were just there to try to get a rise out of people. And, um, you know, I probably should have maybe thought about that ahead of time or got some of that stuff approved. Um, but with that said, um, I believe that that I have a, a very good feel about who we are as an organization and what our organizational leadership believes in and stands for. So I definitely took some liberties there and had some conversations after. But I just felt in that moment it was extremely important to set the tone for uh, who we are, stick up for our broadcaster, who we love, who does a fantastic job and who earned that opportunity and, and just really come out strong because, um, because if you don't, like I said, that, that conversation spirals out of control and becomes, uh, a really, a really sickening and, and sad display of what, of yeah, what Twitter really. can be. It sounds a lot like, uh, running the links accounts and dealing with WNBA hatred. And I, I saw that as well. And I thought you did a great job, yeah. but it just seems to be. I'm definitely in favor of the the tone and voice you use, and I thought you went about it in, in a great way. But on that note, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the wins that you've had on, on social and, and some of the risks that you guys have taken and, and the buy-in from the organization, which I know is great. But because of the uh, innovative nature of the stuff you've gone about uh, on, on Rocky's social in general, I'm sure there's also been battles where you might have lost or, you know, just difficult conversations have been taking place in terms of what's right and what's wrong and you know what conversations to take part in hit a little bit on those because i think a lot of people sure. only focus on the positives like you said and, and don't necessarily know what goes into taking some l's up front to get here long term <laughs> yeah no that's true there's definitely a lot of conversation that happens on the back end uh i remember jared when he was on this podcast he was talking about asking for forgiveness rather than permission and I, I, we definitely do some of that. I think it's a fine balance though, because you don't want to go too far and you don't want to have to be apologizing for stuff or deleting stuff. Uh, but you also, you also do want to take those risks. So I think the biggest thing when you do decide, uh, that you want to step out there is just understanding the end goal, making sure that it fits with who you are. And, and like I said earlier, we're lucky that we have this established voice and it fits with, fits with our fan base and, and, and a lot of, a lot about what we do. Uh, it gives us the freedom to to jump into some of those moments that are a little more goofy, a little more carefree, 
and, and things like that. So um, there's a lot of conversation that happens all the time. Uh, a lot of a lot of years have built up to this, and um, a lot will continue to happen. I mean, this this industry changes so much; it evolves all the time. And and I believe whatever you do here, if if you stay still and you you're doing the same thing that you're doing last year or the year before that, you, you're going to fall by the wayside. So just continuing to, to think about who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and, and trying to fine-tune that every day. For sure. Sure. Um, you've given a ton of good advice already, but I guess since I have had an unconventional uh, route to sports as well, and especially, you know, specifically social media, um, what advice do you have for people who may not be following the traditional path? I think it's easy to look at everyone else and be like, well, okay, well, they majored in this and they got internships here and et cetera, et cetera. What's your advice for people that uh, haven't had that experience? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting. You can find good people, good, talented people anywhere, and you can take any path to this job. And um, it was funny when I was going back, listening to all the previous podcasts, one of the things that really struck me about Chad, the, the first episode you had, Chad Shanks, was after he had the incident with the Rockets, how he really seized the opportunity to create a new new position, a new role for himself. Um, and I think that's regardless of what you do in life, seizing an opportunity and recognizing a situation is is so important. Um, you know, somebody who we just hired uh, through our Major League Baseball program uh, used to be in the Air Force, Tony, and he um, is incredibly talented. He worked in the medical industry and was just really passionate about social media, was passionate about the Colorado Rockies. And he has been an, an unbelievable addition to our team. Um, so you can get good, talented people anywhere. And, you know, some of the other people that, that you guys on had, had on this show, it's always, always talking about your brand and your personal brand. And, you know, you have to use social individually. And I certainly think that's important. But I think if you are, if you're showing the skills that you have and how they can translate into it, I don't necessarily think you need a million internships. I don't think you need to have 15 different jobs before you get one that you really like. Uh, you know, I think if, if, if somebody sees something in you and they're willing to take a chance on you, that's all you really need. And I'm grateful for the people that did that to me, uh, my boss, Jill Campbell and Sue Ann McLaren, people who hired me when I was very underqualified, uh, back in the day when I had no real jobs, I was just a soccer player. Uh, they took a chance on me and I think we all need that in life. We all need people to take a chance on us. And I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do that. As long as you show, uh, who you are and how you can fit into something. I think that's all Preach. that really matters. Love that. Preach. Yes. I'm about to put that on a poster board in my new apartment. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, again, on that note, you've said so many great things that I keep saying on that note, but I have to keep saying it because you keep saying great things. So um, <laughs> on that note, um, talk a little bit more. You know, you said you were underqualified and you, you spoke to people taking chances, but in order to get that chance, what were the conversations that you took place with? I believe you said the name was Joe and, and some yeah, of the superiors Joe. that what, – yeah. what, what did those take? Yeah, I think it's always tough in interview situations for – you know, if this, this is targeted to people may, who may be listening to this from my perspective as like somebody who hires people, but, right? But um, – I don't know. Interviews are tough because you want to talk about yourself. You want to talk about your experiences and I've done this and I can do this for you. Uh, but for me, that's generally a turnoff. Uh, I want to hear, I want to hear about what you think of other people and how you've worked with other people and 
Um, and, and I was talking about this with somebody today, a friend of mine. Uh, the first thing I do when, when I get applications is I read the cover letter. And some people don't even write cover letters or, or send cover letters. Uh, I won't even look at a resume if it doesn't have a cover letter. And I won't even look at a resume if the cover letter is poor. So I want to know more about the people as opposed to the skill set because I, you know, we can, we can learn skills. We can learn job skills. But the biggest thing I look for is somebody who's going to fit in with our team, who's going to be a hard worker, who's going to have a personality that I want to be around for 162 games a year because I see you more than my kids. So if I don't like you and I don't want to spend time with you, then I'm not going to hire you. So show who you are, not what you've done. And, and in a weird way, try not to talk about yourself a whole lot in interview settings because for me, that's just kind of like, you know, I don't, you know, that's why these things are weird for me too, is because I don't really like to talk about myself either, but uh, I understand that that's kind of why I'm here. So it's a, it's a balancing <laughs> act for sure. Nice. Well, let me, let me tell you, you did a great job at talking about yourself. So I think you should keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do nice. you have uh do you have anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? I actually had a couple things. It's funny as Ooh, I was going okay. back through. Yeah, when I was listening to all the podcasts, which are excellent, so you can cut this sound out and use it independently. Um, I actually picked <laughs> out something from each of the each of the previous guests that I thought would be interesting to talk about. But I won't do each of the six or seven. But there are a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Um, and the first one was Angie from the Jazz. Uh, you guys, I think. Amara, you may not have been on that one. Uh, I think you you played that particular episode. Um, (laughs) But no, one of the things you guys were talking about was like rankings. It was the complex rankings, and you know I understand for MBA that's that's a that's a thing. But for me, anybody who tries to rank or rate social media accounts or Twitter accounts really needs to take a step back and realize that every team is different. Every setup internally is different. Every team has different goals. So for anybody to sit back and follow an account for a couple of weeks or even a year or even a couple of years and say, this account's better than that account, that account's better than that one, this one's not as good, that was great, this wasn't good, um, especially people who have never done this and worked in this industry and know the ins and outs of what's actually required, uh, you know, they're probably going to rip me to shreds for saying this, but I don't know why people even care about that stuff. So as long as you're being true to your fans and your organization, screw what anybody else says. So that's my first bit of, of Let's stuff I go. want to talk about. Yeah, that's a, I love it. <laughs> Second one, um, Samantha from the Eagles. So I'm a lifelong Eagles fan. Sorry, Shabazz. Um, I know in the, in the SM sports community, they got a whole lot of heat for the sign-off message after the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. it, people need to just chill out, quite frankly. Um, we're human beings and people are talking about, you know, you could have seized the moment you missed opportunities. Um, no, no, this is life. This is real life. These are once in a lifetime opportunities. Um, she made a great point. Like nobody's, everybody's partying in Philadelphia, which is 100% true. So why would you push out your best stuff? So, yep. um, in general, people, people make decisions based on what they think is best. And for us to sit behind our computers and judge other people without knowing what their thought process is or what they're trying to get out of it, uh, I think is very unfair. And I, th- I think in general, we as a, as a social media sports community need to do less judging, less comparing, and more focusing on what really matters. And that's connecting with people, connecting with sports fans, and just, just, just being who we're going to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Just be who you are. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about if I'm bringing some more haymakers, 
is yes. is Jared. Jared in general, I mean, what an innovator, what a what a pioneer in this industry. And and I think it's a bummer that, you know, he felt that that, you know, he didn't have any more future with the Atlanta Hawks. And that's not to say anything about the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know the setup and um it's a fantastic organization. But I think the important thing for all of us in this industry is to create value for ourselves. Take the initiative and the opportunity ourselves to make sure that we're not just classified as the Twitter guy or the Instagram girl or the Snapchat guy. Uh, we need to figure out how, within the framework of our own organization, we can continue to sell what we do, talk about the importance of it, and then show that you're more than just that. Show that you can do other things. Show that you're an invaluable part of this organization. And if you ever left, the whole place would crumble down. And of course, we know that's not true. We know that we're all replaceable. And that's why salaries are typically low. Uh, because there's a million people who want these jobs. But I think we're at a point now in an industry where we need to have those conversations with our, with our leadership and say, this is really important stuff. Like this is, this is big money. This is important. We're, we're building our fan bases. We're cultivating our fan bases. And I think that's our job moving forward is to continue to make that, make that clear within our organization. And if we all do that, 30 teams times you know, seven, seven different sports, I think that this this industry is really going to grow for the people behind the accounts because a lot of talented people, a lot of smart people who are far, far, far more than just tweeters. You're preaching. I, usually, I would add something on here, but you're you're saying so much great stuff that you do you have any more? Because I would love to just <laughs> just write just write a book, man. I'll read your book. Just write the book. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I think I'm good for now. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> wow, I don't want to sound like, smug or douchey, but yeah. He didn't like my nah. episode. Sad days. I mean, <laughs> if you listen to tomorrow. <laughs> hey, no, that's awesome. No. Question for you guys. I mean, this is cool how this is cool how you guys kind of started out and you're like uh, my guess is like, sure, we'll do a podcast and tomorrow's like, sure, I'd love to do that with you. And now you have sponsors <laughs> and now I want to go go to University of Miami or whatever. <laughs> like that's cool, man. And like you guys just wanted to do something and you did it and you continue to do it. So, I mean, power to you. This is cool. There's people in our industry and people who want to get into our industry who I think this is incredibly valuable for. So uh, credit to you guys. I mean, fantastic service that you guys are providing for everybody. And uh, thank you very much for all that you guys do. No, I appreciate you. That's really nice. And we probably don't deserve it because it was essentially what you said. <laughs> to be to be quite honest, it it was something that you know I I had the idea of quite a few years back actually, but much to your point of different uh, organizational restrictions and regulations and just not knowing everything behind the scenes, I wasn't able to do it in past stops. So um, this is kind of a scenario, and I was in between jobs, and uh, you know I hit up Amara and wanted to start it up, and uh, luckily you have guests like you on that keep it going and allow us to shout out sponsors and whatnot. <laughs> so, uh, really appreciate you. I, I thought you must've heard this 10 times and you were listening, but I thought this is by far the best advice people and yeah. no disrespect to anybody else before everyone has great advice, but I, I thought you did a great job kind of encompassing things for folks that work in the industry and what we need to get better at collectively as a whole, quite honestly. And on yeah. the other hand, providing a unique journey and, and how you went about that. So thank you. No, and... thank you. No, I, I love it. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I, you know, I, I think this is a great time for all of us and 
I love doing this stuff. I think it's important, and uh, I'm glad that we could connect and be be friends. Yay! <laughs> when the Rockies <laughs> somehow run for the presidency, I will. I will wrote. I will Same. vote for you. <laughs> Same. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, cool. man. Appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Julian had the most fire of fire podcast. As we told you, he would. Thank you for listening today to our podcast. We really appreciate it. And as we told you many times before, if you haven't already, you need to go to our friends over at Team Infographics. They will hook you up or your team. Any digital content needs, they got you, fam. Check them out on Twitter at Team Infographics or go to their website at teaminfographics.com or you can email them. If you're a weirdo and serial killer, that's what <laughs> before serial, then do that. Because <laughs> Anyway, uh, last thing I want to say is we got a special, special blooper oh, no. for you because Amara is trash at reading sponsor. It's, it's true. <laughs> Just kidding. She's not. Team Infographics and You Miami both know she's not trash. All right. Please don't take our sponsorships away. Just play the, just play the blooper. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Listen to Amara being Amara. <laughs>